to The Kurt Locker, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss the films of Kurt Russell. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-hosts. She wishes she hasn't even heard of Dakota, Whitney Nelson. (laughs) That's me. And she also considers the summer kitchen to be part of the house. <laughs> Lindsay Nelson joins us. I do. <laughs> the old summer kitchen. All kitchens are part of the house. Yeah. That is the first time that I have had heard that uh, phrased as such. I was unaware that that was uh, the phrasing for that. So I learned something. Yeah. I used to do a lot of when we used to be living historians, Whitney and I did a lot of demonstrations mm-hmm. in the summer kitchen. It's because it's the kitchens were the number one cause of house fires. So any time of the year where you could do your kitchen stuff outside of the house, it you makes did a lot it. of sense. It was a lot more dangerous to do to light a fire yeah. in your house back then, I imagine. So, yeah, let's take this outside. Absolutely. It'll be a stone oven or whatever. It's great. <laughs> this is our fourth, fourth Kurt Russell film. And our first guest, Lindsay, it's it's great to have you. Hello. I would love to. It's great to be here. <laughs> I'm going to get into the, the rigmarole, but something to keep in your mind for both of you also. You two had both seen this prior. This is like mm. you're re, you're like revisiting this movie. Mm-hmm. Many moons ago. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, mm-hmm. I, I seem to remember you both saying that you had fond memories of this film. Boy, was this a ride yep. to rewatch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. When we when we get to the, when we get to the part where we talk about our feelings, just think about. I, I would just love a little bit of perspective about then versus now. Oh, you're gonna get a lot of perspective of then versus <laughs> yeah, now. Absolutely perfect. Have perfect. no fear, Andrew. I, That's on the all agenda. Because right, I was like, yeah, just keep it in the back of our minds. But I, I clearly I didn't even have to say anything. So this is great. What. So here's the thing that I wrote in my notes, and obviously we'll talk more about it when we get there, but I wrote in my notes that the title for this should be Come Get Your Racist Grandpa the Movie. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Oh my God. It's very exciting. Good. Classic Disney. You know what I'm saying? Literally classic Disney. Okay. As always, I want to mention you can find our podcasts and our website at 12and24.com. That's 12and24.com. You can email us kurtlockerpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at kurtlockerpod. I did this really neat thing. I was like experimenting with our episodes here. If As you're listening to this part of the episode, if you're using like a modern podcast player like Overcast or Pocket Cast or any of those situations, you can actually just like tap on the artwork and it'll take you to our Discord, which I'm going to encourage you to join anyway right now. But mm, yeah, fun. if you, you can check us out on Discord. Uh, we chat in real time. We hang out. It's pretty great. That's 12and24.com slash Discord. Claire's going to teach me about spinning yarn. <laughs> Claire is going. Yes, we're going to learn. We're going to laugh. <laughs> we're going to learn. Uh, it's going to be great. Join us on Discord. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then finally, if you want to support us with just a moment of your time, you could share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes, bring more folks into the fray. As I've said on our previous episode, we're just kind of getting the ball rolling, so I understand that it's going to be slow. The same thing happened with Keanu, but uh, as we move forward, right now we have five five-star reviews. Now, uh, one of them written, but the rest are all five stars. So, And I didn't even, I didn't even rate our own show this time, unlike Keanu, which I did as soon as it hit I the also store. did Keanu. Yeah. 
I should do that. I should write us a review. I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's true. I, I rated you guys on Cool Breeze before there I was ever go. a guest host, so that's a little See? bit more legitimate, but it's still... It works out. <laughs> I'm it's I'm okay with like a little bit of nepotism, a little bit of favoritism. It's, it's okay. I, I, can, I can stand behind that. Listen, if you can't toot your own horn, whose can you toot? Right. You have to be- mm-hmm. believe in yourself, is exactly. what I always, yep. is what mm-hmm. I always say. Mm-hmm. So... That's it for the. That's it for that stuff, uh, Lindsay. If you could, I would love for you to tell us why we're here today. <laughs> All right. Well, today we are talking about the film, the one and only genuine. Oh, I'm sorry, genuine uh-huh. original family band. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, say it as they would say it. You know. So the plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is a Democrat played by Walter Brennan, and his Republican clan enliven the 1888 presidential race between Grover Cleveland and Benjamin Harrison. Uh, this movie was written by Lowell S. Hockley and directed by Michael O. Hurley. Ho- Holly? Oh, yeah. I didn't know how to pronounce that last week either, so don't worry. Uh, who also, as you know, Andrew just mentioned, directed last week's film, uh, Mosby's Marauders. So he's clearly in the Disney, you know, block of talent at the time. Um, Co-starring right alongside Kurt is a sizable ensemble cast, including (laughs) Walter Brennan, Buddy Epson, Leslie Ann Warren, John Davidson. (laughs) I was reading ahead to the reviews that you pulled. (laughs) Sorry, Lindsay, go ahead. Uh, Leslie Ann Warren. John Davidson, Janet Blair, Bobby Rhea, and John Welmsley. Yeah, that's how I'm going to say that. And uh, what do critics and audiences have to say about this, Whitney? All right. Well, we have no critical score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 62% audience score. Critic Renata Adler of the New York Times, written... In 1968, March 22nd of 1968, Renata says, The one and only genuine original family band is about as pepless and fizzled a musical (laughs) as has ever come out of the Walt Disney Studios. Wow. At the time. Here is what made me laugh so hard. (laughs) Is user... Aaron Trites gave it two out of five stars and says the best musical I've ever seen about the impact of the 1888 U.S. presidential election on the Dakota Territories. Thank you, Aaron. I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true, Aaron. Yeah. Two out of five. That all seems fair. It all seems fair. Yeah. It is also the best musical I've ever seen about the impact of the 1888 U.S. presidential election on the Dakota Hands Territories. Down. Yeah. yeah. I think we can all agree on this. <laughs> oh, that tickles me. There were a lot of other reviews, and I'm happy I just clicked an extra page to find that one. I was like, this is the one we're going to use. Okay. That, that's gold. Yeah. <laughs> So I would love for either of you to start with this because I'm coming in fresh to this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, I have no I have no reference point for this. I think so. you're having some kind of breakdown. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> I think Winnie and I had some very similar reactions rewatching this because we were we texting did. each other uh-huh. and we had basically the same reactions, which was, first of all, how on earth do we still know all the words to all these songs? If you had put a gun to my head before I rewatched this, because I don't think I've seen this since I was like eight, uh-huh. I could not have named a single song. That's what I was saying. I literally believe neither of us has listened to this or watched it in 30 years. How? How? And yet, as soon as they started playing, I knew all of the words. <laughs> the, <laughs> could totally don't sing. rock your boat. Don't rock the boat. Give him Give your vote. Him your Give vote. your vote to, vote the, man to the, the man who's the leader of men. Leader of men. It's literally yeah. clear as day like I had listened to it yesterday. Yeah. Why is the Grover Cleveland song <laughs> dormant in my head for 30 years? It pierced through. Why could I sing it? You got it yeah, into long-term like I memory. I had heard it yesterday. Yeah. I did. It's I, the only thing there. I mean, I think without the music, the Grover Cleveland song is the easiest one to resing. But I remembered like their... The, the opening song of the like Dakota the, song? the Dakota song also so I think this is hilarious so Leslie Ann Warren is amazing a treasure mm-hmm. uh, in love with we her forever we love her here <laughs> yes but so right around the same time, like we talked about earlier, the one of the directors also directed your last movie. These people are all watching Disney movies, live action Disney movies from this era is like watching Hallmark Christmas movies now. Sure. In that you f- get this feeling that they just keep them all in a dorm somewhere attached to a small <laughs> Christmas town right. and then just kind of give them different scripts to do stuff. So in one of our favorite of the live action Disney musicals, The Happiest Millionaire. Mm-hmm. Which is still a favorite. Which is absolutely still a favorite. I've rewatched that too. Holds up better than this one, but um, yeah, way uh, way better. Her her beau, her like boyfriend, is the same guy, and he is slash also fiance. Yeah, boyfriend slash fiance is the same guy in Happiest Millionaire, also playing her boyfriend slash fiance, who also sings a song trying to get people to move someplace. Except in that case, it's Detroit instead of Dakota. Just yeah. swap one in the Happiest for Millionaire, another. he's trying to get everybody to move to Detroit, and in this one, it's trying to get everyone to move to the Dakotas. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. By the way, The Happiest Millionaire, if you haven't seen it, we'll go into this later, but it's all Philly based. It's about the Drexel Biddles. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, a real family that actually existed and lived in Philadelphia. Well, yeah, no, everything here is Drexel. Like, if you've heard of Drexel anything, you know about the Drexel Biddles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm writing it down. I was just saying that for the people who don't live in Philadelphia, because there's a song that was cut from the movie called Just Off Rittenhouse Square, which is where they lived. They actually lived in the building that's now the anthropology. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Perfect. Anyway, Leslie Ann Warren plays the same character dating the same man who tries to get her to move to a different place. Yes. He keeps trying to get people to move to the future and leave the East Coast behind. Right. It's Manifest um, Destiny. I get it. I get it. mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very Disney. So... I remembered a lot of what happened in this movie. Somehow my kid brain left out all of the politics. Like, I could have Mm. 100% told you, you know, that they, this newspaper guy gets them to move to the Dakotas, and she's, like, trying to be the school teacher, and all of the plot points 
minus all of the politics, which is literally all this movie is. Yes. I don't know how I didn't remember <laughs> that it is like a weird long political ad for like a, something that had been decided generations ago. Okay, I, so I'm super happy that you brought this up because while I was watching this, I could not help but think like, what did... Lindsay and Whitney like about this <laughs> because if, again, if you're watching it at seven or eight years the old, the answer is Leslie Ann Warren. Oh, that is I can, the answer. I can, yeah, the, the the performances. Uh, I could understand that part, but as a kid, I just could I couldn't imagine if I'm watching this. I guess it would be the same thing. Where like it's catchy, and I don't really care what the words are. It's just it's just catchy. Mm-hmm. So, but I had considered, I was like, did they really care about politics? I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me. No. D- don't get, it wouldn't have. I but. mean, we were weirdly political kids. Uh-huh. Like, but I was not invested in the politics of the 1880s. Like, right. I, <laughs> it's niche to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, Benjamin Harrison, the only thing he really contributed is the whole get the ball rolling phrase like that's it uh-huh. you know um so because they rolled they a rolled a big ball, ball through towns i i only know that because that of had, parks like, and rec slogans so. on it because of parks and rec yeah whitney and i are nerds enough to know that before parks and rec and we're quite tickled to see it in parks and rec <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah but yeah so that's like not you know a very pivotal sort of historical president Harrison. Um, but uh, yeah, so while even we were kind of invested in politics, or at least I was, I wrote a very bossy letter to Al Gore when I was 11. But um, oh, <laughs> I wish I had it in front of me right now to read it to you all. Uh-huh. You're going to make a note? Oh. Let's see if we can figure this out. <laughs> Is that like bonus material, deleted scenes, Lindsay's Al Gore letter? Uh-huh. Lindsay's Al Gore letter. <laughs> What was your experience of watching it today or like now? And I'm talking days after a new mm-hmm. president has been elected to to our country. Mm-hmm. This actually happened with Mosby's Marauders, I, I think, too, uh, to a degree where there's some like mm-hmm. politics a little here. Bit. So I'm curious what what your feelings about this movie are uh, in the current in our current situation we find ourselves in. The more things change, the more they stay the same, I uh-huh. guess. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though this movie depicts how very radically, like, 180 the parties have switched. Yeah. That, like, the the dyed-in-the-wool refuses to give up that they lost the Civil War rebel from the South is the Democrat in this was very fun to me. Um, and that everyone else who was, like, Although he aggressive... Was, he- was pro staying in the union. All of his stuff was about the country needs to stay together, even though it's true. But but just like he w- he was one of those rebel Confederates who like couldn't get over the war and what happened in the war. Um, and he's a Democrat, and everyone else in this movie is a Republican, and the Republicans are like the good guys, and the Democrats are all the like. Rowdy cowboys and carpetbaggers. That was a nice turn. I I will say that. I wasn't expecting it. And I did enjoy that because that that does accurately reflect what 
Democrats and Republicans viewed as important in the era. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm just so shocked that this movie is 90% politics, mm-hmm. and I didn't remember any of it. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, what I thought they were fighting about. Or, I mean, I, pro- I re- realized they were fighting about politics, I guess, but it just didn't stick in my head at all. <laughs> There's very little Kurt Russell in this movie, and I was very disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> He's only got, like, two lines. So far, he has been the saving grace in a lot of these Disney movies and and early movies that we've seen, and he's not in this one to save it at all. We do have Leslie Ann Warren, who's a delight. Who's a delight. Although, what was up with her bangs? Those have never been stylish in any time period. In any era. Certainly not in the 1880s. and But also certainly not in the... (laughs) In the 60s. In 1968. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't get what's up with that. But yeah, not enough Kurt, Warren, uh, Kurt Russell. This is where he met Goldie Hawn. Okay, I wasn't crazy. She is uncredited. That was insane to me. When she just shows up at the... I was like, I think that's Goldie Hawn. She's the uncredited like blonde in the yellow dress who, when, she, when Leslie Ann Warren and her fiancé are fighting... Dance she's battle. the like yeah. girl who like steals him away for the dance battle to so they like flirt mm. with other people to make each other jealous because they're fighting or whatever. That is Goldie Hawn, and that is where she and Kurt Russell met for the first time. So wild. I had no idea they'd known each other that long. Yeah. They I mean, he's what, seventeen when they filmed this movie? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. So they've known each other essentially forever. Whitney, you took the words out of my mouth. With the Kurt Russell thing, mm-hmm. uh, specifically him being the thing that pulls me through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I've said probably on the past three films now where he's the thing that gets me through. And now you've taken him away from me. Yeah. You've taken him away. Yeah. You've given him a hell of a kind of dance routine in the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Props. And then r- that's it. When When the fifth song starts... Song number the five song in this six movie. Minutes. Hang on, I paused it because I was like, it's song number five and the movie just started. How far uh-huh. are we into the movie? And we were 22 minutes into the movie when the fifth song had started. So it starts out like a like a rock opera or something. It's like Rent, where there's no dialogue, mm-hmm. it's all singing. Uh-huh. There's like a three word exchange between songs that kind of moves the plot forward. Yeah. And that carries this family basically through this whole weird MacGuffin of they're going to sing for Grover Cleveland at the <laughs> National Democratic Convention to we're going to become we're going to move to the Dakota territories and help make them states. Uh, there is mercifully no talk about Native Americans in this movie. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's there's nothing racist in it only because there's only white people in it. <laughs> right. They That's, skirt so close to out. so problematic so many times and they didn't yeah. ever get there because they didn't ever talk about Native Americans. Mm. But this whole settling and civilizing the Dakotas is like a thing that we just barely didn't hear about in this movie. But anyway, so the the family lives in a place. They're going to go to the Democratic National Convention to perform. They do this thing. They end up sidetracking their whole lives and moving to the Dakotas to become homesteaders. 
Because this guy with blue eyes sings one song and hands everybody a torch. <laughs> and then, then the music stops. And it's just an old racist Confederate grandfather yelling about politics in a church to a bunch of children. And I was, was he, looking he around was like... He was not Confederate. I keep... He fought for the Confederacy, he was, didn't he? He said yeah, that a couple he times. Was he was in the, the, the Union. No. No. He was in the Union. No, yes. he was a rebel. I, I could have swore he was that a he rebel. said he fought for they the Confederacy. He, yes, he fought for the Confederacy. He talked several times about how great Lincoln was and believed in the country staying unified. No, he believed in the country being unified now in the 1880s after the Civil War, that they needed to heal and join hands. He fought mm-hmm. for this out. They said it multiple times. Okay, well, I just, he kept talking about unity, so I thought he was, but I'll believe you guys if because you guys both heard it. I mean, it does make sense with him being a Democrat, because that was more likely to be a Southerner at the time. That little sh- shithead in the school who's like, <laughs> let me see your teaching credentials, please. Johnny. Little Johnny. Yeah. Johnny. Johnny John, right? Johnny that was his name? John Von John, Johnny, I think, his name. John Von John? Anyway. Johnny says, you're a rebel, and he's like, so? Uh-huh. Anyway, but he's he's yelling at the kids about politics, this old confederate in the 1880s, and telling all of these kids to, like, question everything. It's like tinfoil hat territory of, like... Yes, yeah. You are... Six, you deserve a say in whether or not there's two Dakotas or one Dakota. Yeah. (laughs) Refuse to milk cows until your parents let you vote and make political decisions. And so he's this crazy old rambling racist man yelling at children in a school. And then there's like no songs. And right at that point in the movie, I was like, I could really go for a song about now. I'm very tired of hearing about this. Well, right before that part, Leslie and Warren and Blue Eyes had the song about wasting time together, like literally right before. And then he sings a song in the classroom. He does, That's what yeah. I'm saying. Right up he until gets right the... It. No, they get into the drummer thing. It just, it's like literally one song and then 45 seconds of dialogue and then another song and then two lines of dialogue and then another song in the beginning of it and you expect it to yeah. be sort of all songs yeah. and then the more it gets into politics the fewer songs there are and the more you're looking around and being like I wish the songs came back and I didn't even <laughs> like all those songs yeah there's a lot of standing on wagons and giving political speeches that did get very tedious <laughs> yes that uh-huh. was my overall feel. So I'll say a couple of things really quickly. I don't know if this would. I don't know if this surprises either of you, right? Maybe I. I feel like I don't have any joy in my heart. I don't know what it is. I can't. Musicals for me, it's you have to. You have to be like excellent for me to even start to care. Like if you, if we're having like dialogue and then we jump into song in a movie, oh man, it's a high bar. And so this for me. I feel like if they had just committed to what Whitney said, where it was like mostly songs and little bits of dialogue, but the music was taking us through, I probably would have liked this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But given the subject matter, I was like, I don't like, oh, it's like political rhetoric 
in song form. Yay. And also, yeah. like Lindsay said, this is in 1968. Why are they going so hard on political rhetoric from the 1888 I election? Didn't get it. I don't get it. Like, I don't know if this was a thing culturally that, because a lot of times in history, you'll get people referencing past political disagreements or debates as an allegory for contemporary ones, right? Like stuff like Jefferson and Hamilton in history have sort of seesawed on who's popular at the time based on like current politics and stuff, Mm -hmm. like whether they're leaning more towards federalism. I mean, was this like, when when was Puerto Rico a thing? Before 1968. Like, was there somebody trying to become a state or something like that? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I definitely got, I mean, I know, obviously we all know Walt Disney was like a conservative. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, no, we, that was made very clear in Follow Me Boys. Oh, yes. Uh, And so this has very conservative messaging in that the the one real voice we get for the like liberal carpetbagger cowboy Democrats is this rambling racist (laughs) rebel grandfather. What? And all of the like upstanding (laughs) people, you know, uh, with their clothes, their shirts tucked in and like have their lives together are all Republicans. Right. Um, Yeah. And the, and the somehow both gay and girlfriend stealing cowboy was a Democrat too. (laughs) Yes. Wait a minute. Hey, I mean, if anybody could pull it off, it's a Democrat, right? Being both gay and girlfriend stealing. But, here, here. I mean, that's kind of in our wheelhouse. But it was um, literally the gayest costume I've ever seen put on a person who's a girlfriend stealer. Like he's specifically yeah. supposed to be the guy who's in danger of stealing a girlfriend. He's supposed to be like the leather jacket wearing motorcycle guy. Yes, and yet but it's instead they very, put him in yeah. just the loudest, like flamboyant yellow bandana <laughs> and and like deep V open neck flannel. And it's just he just and he doesn't I you cannot tell his sexuality from his acting at all, like as a person or as a character. But it's just the reading the script of who this character is and then saying as a costumer, I know exactly how to dress him. It betrays. It betrays him a little bit is what you're saying. Gayer than a picnic basket. <laughs> I mean, I really think it was going for the because like all of the Republicans are wearing like very well tailored suits. Oh, yeah. No, and it's, I think all, it was... it's all nice suits and respectability and wearing hats in public and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's where the costumer was coming from at the time, but, you know, who knows? Anyway, he was like, I'm going to dress this guy gayer than Christmas. Like, there's no way this guy's <laughs> taking Alice. Not at all. Not not the way he's dressed. I mean, I would have liked it better. Yeah, me too. I was not happy with Alice ending up with Leslie Ann Warren deserves so much better than that guy she's ended up with in multiple movies, who's always trying to take her away from her family and civilize people. He's like the same character in both movies. It's it's wild. He is the same character in both movies. He's sort of this dreamy-eyed idealist about how he's better than everybody else and where, like, mm-hmm. he's going to go where the civilization and the money and the whatever... And, and the potential he knows is. what the future is. And he and knows he's what the future is tell everybody like. else. He's the exact What's same person important? in The Happiest yeah. Millionaire. It's wild. Although in The Happiest Millionaire, he gets drunk and talks about joining the French Foreign Legion, so I like him better in that <laughs> right. movie. Redeemable. Yes. Yeah. Redeemable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Because haven't we all had a time where we get drunk and we're like, maybe I'll just join the French Foreign Legion and leave all this for behind. sure. Yeah, and when they have their relationship disruption part of the plot, instead of trying to make her jealous with a blonde, he goes and gets drunk with an Irishman and talks about joining the French Foreign Legion. It's way more relatable. Of course. I think I'm with both of you in that I found the grandpa to be just a very unpleasant character to follow through this movie. When the whole when he's like, well, if I'm not appreciated here, I'll just yes. leave. Good. I was like, yeah, do out. leave. You're not appreciated <laughs> here. And then all the kids are crying and so sad. And they're like, my life is over because my terrible grandfather who fights with everybody is gone. Yeah, that's I feel like I don't know. The movie positions that is maybe I guess we're supposed to feel bad for that guy. But I'm like, I don't like this is actually no. what happens when you are an asshole. The people in your life right. push well, you away. You can't respect anybody else's boundaries or right. opinions. And that's what happens. And the dad should have made it up, like made it an issue before Correct. then. He did let yeah. it go too that's, far. That's what it really is. Here's the thing. There's a little bit of uh, reality influencing fiction in this case with the two of us who have a very stubborn, obstinate, fight-picking, for the most part, disagrees with everybody politically grandfather. Ooh. Who Lindsay Who's still lives with. Who's from North Dakota. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Just as a little piece of... Um, but he is very... He was raised in an environment in a time where he thought his opinion was more important than anybody else's. Man, Mom moved back in with them when... Like after the divorce, she went back to school. And then by the time she was done with school and supporting herself and two teenagers, like fine by herself, that's when my grandparents started to have health trouble. So mom and Lindsay are both still in that house with my grandparents. So you've got three generations in one house, which is rare these Mm -hmm. days in America. Um, But also there's a lot of lines you can draw from our grandfather to that grandfather. (laughs) Yeah. There's similarly him yelling at people because they drive a foreign car and you can't get him to stop for like seven minutes. So (laughs) I know the type. I know. Let's just say Mm -hmm. I know the type. When you combine that, (laughs) that guy uh, with (laughs) the beau in this, who was, I don't know what that guy's name is. Was he... Buddy Ebsen? No, probably not. Was that is that him? No, Buddy. I don't know who that is. I don't. uh, John Davidson. Uh, The actor's name is like John. John. John Davidson. It is John Davidson. I think. Yeah, but I can't remember the character's name either. It was like Cordy or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. So we have the three the three leads, and only one of them is really, like I'm pulling for her, Alice, uh, Leslie, (laughs) and Warren. Yeah. So Buddy Epson, just just to go back to that really quickly. Yes. You've never seen the Beverly Hillbillies? Oh, I guess I have, but I I did not put that together. Okay. He also plays um, Audrey Hepburn's husband in Breakfast at Tiffany's. He's Doc Golightly. I'm going to, I'll believe you. It's been a minute since I've seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, but yes. Okay. I He right. was also Barnaby Jones in the TV show Barnaby Jones. I I, I don't know what that is. 
I've never even heard of that. It's a I mean, I di- think the Beverly Hillbillies would be the reference most people are familiar with. Sure. Because yeah. while he's yeah. in yeah, Breakfast yeah, yeah. at Tiffany's, he's not like a big part in Breakfast at Tiffany's. No, he only but. comes in at the end to like gently pull her away or whatever. Yeah. But he was one of the like Disney go-to actors for this period of their live action movies. He was also supposed to be the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. And then before filming began, he... His role was changed to the Tin Man, but then they put like lead paint on him, and he got really sick, and oh, so he Jesus. was not the Tin Man. Yeah, I guess yeah, you're not he our had guy. A, an allergic reaction to to what the makeup was. No, it was aluminum dust. There was aluminum yeah. dust in the makeup, and so he got oh, really no. sick and was forced to drop out. I think they changed it for the next guy, but I'm not even sure if that's true because they poisoned the first one. He yeah. was supposed to be the Scarecrow, and then he was supposed to be the Tin Man. We live and learn. They also burned the actress who played the Wicked Witch of the West. That was not a safe movie to be on. No, no. it seems it seemed dangerous from all, from all we've heard. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about the music if we can. Mm-hmm. I found just the one song to be very good, and I really did not care for the rest. Uh and it's because they got the words razzmatazz and virtuosity in the lyrics. And I got to give it up for any song that can do that. So it's yes. the titular song, like right? The, it's the one yeah. about the the band itself. Come here, the hullabaloo of our tuba. Hear the tickety-boo of our drum. Hear the tweedledee of our woodwind. Hear our clickety-plink and banjo strum. I really like that one. It's the one introducing themselves as, yeah. I do like all the instrument describing with words like razzmatazz of our... Yes. That was, I thought that was very was, good. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's... If you recall, last week I said the only reason that I know the words in the right order every time is because of the song, the one and only genuine original Original family family band. band. And Mm -hmm. uh, I still agree. That's the best song in the movie. I did like the 10 feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. The song about the person who invented music. Right. And Kurt's part in that was also very good. Where he out, yes, he, that's he like as like much as we get to see feet. him in the whole movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he dances his ass off for a little bit there, and he's very good at that too. I think it's pretty good. Uh, and that's, you know, any other standout songs for you or no? No, I feel like West of the Wide Missouri was supposed to be the like. It's like the barn burning song. Right. That's very uh-huh. like uh, cowboys and farmers should be friends song. It's very much trying yeah. to be that song from Oklahoma uh, or anything from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And it just doesn't hit that mark. I was just going to say, it's just like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, where it's just <laughs> like all the town is in one place. They're waiting for election results. And they're all supposed to be sort of getting along because they're all like homesteaders in the West. And I found that that one, which was supposed to be like the big number, fell really short for me. It was all very hurried. No one could really sing it well. Yeah. every And I know they were dancing a lot in that, but yeah, they were all out of breath. Yeah. Yeah. 
when you when you sing a when you write a song that no one can sing well, it's like you wrote a bad song. <laughs> right. Maybe you should look inward instead of expecting too much. You know, and I don't the my favorite song as a child was Let's Put It Over with Grover. And that is not my favorite song now. It's very catchy and repetitive. Yeah. But like I think all of the sort of campaign songs fall flat in this. Mm-hmm. So you two seem uh far more nonplussed. <laughs> no, 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 no. Far far more uh in the musical uh, and I mean that in the genre, the musical yes. realm, than myself. Oh, yes, oh, for sure. I could yes. say I, I looked at <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising, literally, no one who's listening. Uh, I, I looked at the there was a list on Rotten Tomatoes of like the top 100 musicals of all time. And I'm okay to say that I had only actually seen like seven of them, and it's oh, it, and I wouldn't even consider very some low of them number right. I, but again, this is me. And again, the the bar for a musical for me, the one the seven that I had seen were not, in my opinion, even like Purple Rain is one of them. Do you consider that yeah. a musical or no? I it's been a long time since I've seen Purple Rain, so I'd have to remember. One of the things that is weird about this movie is that so usually in a, a musical, there's the difference between diegetic and non-diegetic music, right? Yes. So yeah. normally in a musical it's non-diegetic, it's like a soliloquy. You start singing when your emotions get too intense to just talk, and then you start dancing when your emotions get too intense <laughs> for even the singing, right? Like that's the rule in a musical. Sure. That's the escalation. Yeah. Um, and in this, most of the songs, if not all of the songs, there's a couple of like her dreaming about being a bride song and their wasting time song. Mm-hmm. That could be non-diegetic like a, a regular musical. Everything else is them actually singing it in context in real life, you know. And Which makes it more like a rock opera type yeah. thing or whatever, like where the dialogue is being sung in character, like it's more, yeah, anyway. Like one of the only musicals where this, the music is diegetic is Cabaret, because every song advances the plot, but it's also all on stage in the Kit Kat Club. So everybody is in a club performing when they're singing. Nobody is soliloquying in their heads like in most musicals. So that's so this is good because you all have like perspective on this. I would be curious and not even knowing this list of 100, if you had to like pin this movie in a top 100 it list ballpark where is list. it it's not, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> okay good that's really Lindsay. are you feeling similarly oh yeah i i would barely consider this a musical because okay. the songs don't really advance the plot in most of the cases mm. like because they're just songs that they're singing as like a political campaign or whatever they don't really move the plot forward like i said leslie and warren has a couple character revealing songs but for the most part, they're just singing and dancing to be singing and dancing because Disney liked that. So, like, it's barely a musical for me. I was pulling up the Wikipedia notes so that when we go into the, like, plot points, tell the synopsis of the movie, uh, I would have it ready. And I happened to glance at the production section, which is only a couple paragraphs long. And it says, originally planned as a two-part television show. They Fuck. almost had us again, Andrew. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> the project was based on a book 
by Laura Bauer Van Nuys. The memoir by Van Nuys, the youngest of the Bauer children, described her family's brass band, their journey out of Missouri, and their frontier life in the Black Hills. Walt Disney asked the Sherman brothers for their help on the project, feeling the story was too flat. And the Shermans wrote the song, the one and only genuine original family band, which was ultimately used as a title sequence. After hearing the song, Disney decided to add more songs to the film and turn it into a musical. In all, the Sherman brothers wrote 11 songs for the film, although the entire time Robert Robert Sherman reportedly did so under protest, believing the subject matter was too mundane to be made into a feature-length musical film. Damn it. Yeah. He was so right. So even one of your two writers yeah, I was going to say, when like, a guy's right, he's right. <laughs> this was too flat. One of your two writers who write all of your music the entire time is like, I shouldn't be doing this. This is too boring. Right. I'll take your check, but I'm not happy about it. Yeah. So there you go. No kid wants to listen to a song about Harrison. Right. They just don't. Not even then. Yeah. I do believe that this suffers... Again, from that sort of memoir or real life, like um, Mosby's Marauders, Mm -hmm. in that they Disney tries to stick too hard to hitting all of the key plot points that actually happened. It does not try to stick hard enough to a good plot that makes sense and tells a story. (sighs) And I think that that's what happened again in this is that we have... This genuinely feels 100% possible as a family history in the 1880s. For sure. Do I believe that this family was actually a band and actually lived in Missouri and actually went to the Dakotas and actually their grandpa got all caught up in the presidential race? 100%. Do I need to see any of it? No. Well, and you can tell that it's just somebody's life and not an actual story in the fact that there's no real character arcs. They try and force one with the grandpa. Yeah. That's as close as they get to anybody having a character arc, but it's not really there. You know, he just kind of learns a little bit to not be so aggro at people, but only even kind of. And they take him back without any real difference. But there's, there's very little beginning because we jump right into it, this family is all of a sudden playing the Democratic National Convention with like little to no intro. Mm. There's almost no beginning. There's really no middle. Except they move to the Dakotas. That's Except like... for that they move to the Dakotas, but that's not even the middle. That happens like... In the first act, yeah. In the first act. So anyway, and then there's no end. <laughs> they just end it after a president is elected. The song. But yeah, Everyone but there's, comes together. there's no like... They have a fight and then they get back together, the main love interest, with no reason. Nothing is resolved about what they were in a fight about, right? Yeah. They just get back together because they were dancing at a convention and he grabs her into a wheelbarrow. By the way, people, when people say no, don't kiss them and drag them into a wheelbarrow. Right. Yeah. Stop Uh, making that look romantic. Part of the way into this movie, Jamie was like, this guy seems like he sucks. And I was was curious and I was like why do you say that he sucks and he was like he has not appeared to listen to a single thing she has said the whole movie ever and that's 100% true he has never once listened to any of her thoughts or feelings this whole movie he just thinks she's hot which she is she's Leslie Ann Warren she's Mm -hmm. the most charming person on the planet but 
Yeah, like he does not listen to her. They do not have dialogues about anything. What he says goes in everything. I'm totally with you and, and Jamie on this. It's, he's mm-hmm. awful. And even the, the parents. So, like, they start to have a little bit of the story with the fact that, like, she first is not remotely interested in going to the Dakotas. She's the one saying, we, we've moved enough. We've built a house here. We have a family. Yeah. After his song about how great the Dakotas are, she's the one pushing the father to go. Like, there's no character consistency with anybody but the grandpa and, like, the love interest in this movie. She was like, it was a catchy song. I didn't believe it, but then it was a catchy song. So, we, <laughs> so now I, I want to move to a place that freezes every year. And we have family from North Dakota, so we're allowed to bash North Dakota. <laughs> That's perfect. That's how it um, works. Yeah, no, if you've ever spent a winter in Fargo, you know how shitty it can be to be in the Dakota. <laughs> can you do can either of you do the accent? Do you No. Do, mm, I was gonna say Not really. You, we have mm. some relatives who have lived there uh longer who have the accent, but we can't really do it. <laughs> Uh, we right. actually apparently have the accent on a few certain words. We both grew up in Southern California. We have very little accent, but occasionally we'll say something and everyone's like, are you from the Midwest? And it's like, we're yeah. not, but our family is. Ah, our okay. mom's whole family is from the Midwest and North Dakota, like specifically. So the other day I did post a story on Instagram where I was talking about the dog and I sounded a little bit Minnesotan, not North <laughs> Dakotan. There's a difference. But after I listened to it back after I posted it, and I was like, oh, okay. A little bit of that Minnesota's coming out. You love to hear it. You mm-hmm. love to hear it. I, I, did we, I think we touched on everything, right? That's there everything, I think. Shocking That's all lack I have of to Kurt say. Russell in this movie, which was very disappointing for me. But it, it totally yes. makes sense to me why I did not remember this as a Kurt Russell movie when we first started talking about it for this podcast. I was like, that's a Kurt Russell movie? And now that makes sense because there's literally like a total of four minutes maybe that he's on screen. Right. He appears in the background of some shots. Uh, I never saw him standing next to Goldie Hawn at any point, which was disappointing. There was no no gravitas, unlike the Mm -hmm. past three films where he was, you know, a heavy hitter. Heavy hitter. Is, Is Goldie Hawn older than Kurt Russell? I had thought about that myself because she seems... It, it, to my eye, at least more mature looking in this film than he does by a lot. But I don't know if that's just, I, I don't know what. I, I mean, don't that know could be the sure. way they were styled, too. True. You know? no, a quick, a quick, uh, a quick Google says that Kurt Russell is 69. Nice. Nice. And Goldie Hawn <laughs> is 75. Oh, there you go. Which okay. is accurate yeah. to how it looked in this movie. Yeah, that she's, yeah. like, five years older than him. Yeah, she looked in, like, her early 20s, and he looked about 17. Yeah, that that all checks out. So. Yeah. I think that's everything, you know? Yeah, like I said, there wasn't actually very much to the story of this movie. <laughs> no, if you don't care about Harrison or... And Cleveland... Yeah. If you weren't already invested in the results of that election, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Then this wouldn't be for you? There's no need to see this movie. I mean, it is a story where an electoral college win overrides the popular vote. <laughs> and we have to talk about unity after the fact. It's uh-huh. unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Let's move on. <laughs> 
I have a question that is uh, kind of unrelated to this because now I'm just curious because I always like to get uh, recommendations. So I pulled up this list of the 100 best musicals of which you told me that the one that I one of which I saw uh, it was not a musical or p- potentially not. So it doesn't matter. I'm going to list <laughs> the uh, what is it here? One, two, three, four, five, six that I have seen. And I would love yeah. if each of you could recommend me one more that I should watch based off of this list. Okay. 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 I'll say unabashedly that I really, really enjoy these movies. Uh, so don't, you know, just take mm-hmm. this at, at face value. Okay, here it is. Uh, Purple Rain. I've, mm-hmm. I, mean, I said that one. Mm-hmm. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if that counts, but sure. Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah. Little Shop of Horrors. Yep. West Side Story. Yep. And this one I don't, I also don't know, but maybe Footloose. Okay. Um okay, based on those. It's probably like a little uh I I it, it seems to err towards lighter. Uh, uh, maybe not, but like <laughs> Yeah. You know, I was going to say I mean like you've got some of this some of the spooky ones in there, like Little Shop yeah. of Horrors and Rocky Horror. Little Shop right. of Horrors was actually what I was going to recommend before you got to it. But I think um, Stephen Sondheim's Assassins, I think, would fit in with your list if you like those. I think you would enjoy that. There's not a movie of that. Oh, there's no. Yeah. <gasps> hmm. Okay. And there is uh, a film stage. stage version. So stage. I would say I think, based on what I know of you in those few musicals, I think uh-huh. you would like Victor Victoria. Victor which Victoria. Is, yes, that's a good one. Julie Andrews, Leslie Ann Warren is also in it. Um, It's sort of like the birdcage, but with Julie Andrews doing the gender swap. And also like Tootsie. Yeah, like um, Tootsie. It's exactly like Tootsie, but with Julie Andrews and it's a musical. Interesting. Um, Okay. I think you would love Enchanted if you haven't seen it. That was 2007. Yeah, in yeah, okay. 2007, yeah. it's Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey, um, but it's making fun. It's Disney making fun of itself in a really delightful way that reminds me a lot of Galaxy Quest, the way that Galaxy Quest makes fun of Star Trek. Mm, yes. Okay. And okay. so there's some songs and musical habits and traditions that they make fun of in Enchanted while still being a musical that I think you would genuinely enjoy. It's a very well-made movie. I could also see you liking Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. That's uh Sweeney Todd. Okay, Sweeney Todd. All right. I'm writing them down. That's the, Tim like, Burton. Yes. Right. But he worked very closely with Stephen Sondheim and and you know, I I think you're right in suggesting Sondheim to Andrew. I think I think Andrew would like right Sondheim's there. lyricism yeah. and I'm just going to write this guy's uh, name down. Stephen Sondheim, yeah. yeah, and he's very witty. He's very dry, but he also does incredible light motifs in the music and like musical sort of callbacks and echoes when he's like hitting the same emotional moment or like referencing a previous emotional moment. The Dies Erie is all over Sweetie Todd. So, hmm. okay, all right, I'll check that out. There we go. Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, that's is great. wild. And you like that's... Purple Rain. <gasps> I do like Brian Purple De Palma. Rain. Brian De Palma. Yeah, no, it's Brian De Palma. Yeah. And it's like... I like Brian De Palma, we... too. Look at this. Yeah, no, it's like a... It's like Rocky Horror 
as a 70s take on Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. Uh-huh. So it's got sort of a 70s go-go rock and roll glam rock glam like. rock sort of a thing but it's uh, it's the basic beats of the story are all the Phantom of the Opera and it's Brian De Palma and it's bright colors and I think you would like that one too. I like bright colors. <laughs> I like how that, that's the description. It's got bright colors. You would love it. I'm into it. No, I really <laughs> I like am. Other I mean, stuff I'm not that knocking, I said already. Yeah. Like, I'm not knocking a visually lush, you know, spectacle. That's part of what a movie's for. So. No, yeah. Well, yeah but so, okay. since so many that you said were, were like visually lush spectacles. Yeah, I think that's what it is for me, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that and the primary, the for me, the one that's. Uh, no, I guess maybe West Side Story. Chicago was that's a stage production that became a movie, right? And then they just mm-hmm. adapt. Yeah, so yeah. For Almost all one... of these musical movies that are on this list that I looked at after you mentioned it, yeah. they're all musicals that were on stage that moved to, including Rocky Horror, that yeah. moved to movies. All right. So maybe that's uh, maybe this is my Shop way. Shop of into Horrors it. went the other way, but right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. Bonus for our listening audience, you just got like some really great recommendations. There's a there's a potential that you're more cultured than I am and you'd already seen these, in which case, bravo for you. What I will say is if you're interested in classic musicals, none of them are, are ones we've just mentioned. I'm not if you're yeah, in into that, like the think. Oklahoma sound of music. We, we and- did know Rogers and Hart, Rogers and Hammerstein in those recommendations. So. Yes. So, like, there's, I have recommendations for people. Hit me up on Twitter if you want a musical recommendation that's more of a classic musical. But if you're looking for something a little avant-garde that is in the lush side but has a sense of humor, those are the ones that I recommend. I stand by all of my picks. If you're easily distracted like me and you need pretty (laughs) visuals to go with your songs, let's go. I'm into it. I wrote them all down. Uh, I'm excited. I expect a full report. I was just going to say, we expect two pages, (laughs) single-spaced. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I got some work. I'll note it for next time I call for recommendations. All right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, never think that uh, Nelson is going to let you out of homework. Yeah. Which is we funny because we, we we didn't even go to school. We never had all homework, our work was homework. So, yeah, that's why <laughs> every bit of work was homework. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you know that's actually a great segue. Homework. It is a great segue. Homework. All we do is learn. As human beings, <laughs> we're designed to learn. You know who can help you learn now? Skillshare. Skillshare can help you learn. Oh my gosh, they are sponsoring this episode. You can mm-hmm. pretty much learn, as we have discovered on just two episodes, right? Mm-hmm. I think Whitney and I have covered basically everything you would want to ever <laughs> learn, really. <laughs> Carding wool, card magic. Uh, what was the other one? Whatever it is that Andrew teaches, I don't Plants. know. Plants, it's Final Cut Pro Ten. Yeah, no, I don't listen when you talk, Andrew. <laughs> I, I'm basically right there with you. I'm like, what, when can I stop talking is essentially oh, always kidding. front of mind. 
just pulling your leg. Somebody told me the other day that they, they got a really great cinnamon roll recipe from a video on Skillshare. So. Is that right? Hold Ooh. On. Yeah. Ooh. I love me a cinnamon roll. And there are some iffy recipes out there. Baking is such a delicate balance, you know? I, I have yeah. one here. I'm going to type this in. It might be controversial. Hold on. I just got to see. Oh, man. Lindsay. I'm sorry to say it, but there are a handful of gelato courses on Skillshare. Oh, no. <laughs> it looks delicious. I, I'm not, it's going to be night and day compared to what you're doing. But hey, 4,315 people apparently learned how to make gelato. Not quite at your level. No, they just got the colors right here. Though. Like this looks, yeah. this looks delicious. <laughs> you can really, I, it's it's an unbelievable resource, especially because we're all home. Most of us, I would say. Ooh, I I searched I searched for cinnamon rolls, and I found it? a class called the Science of Easy Vegan Baking. That sounds interesting. There you go. Because I don't mm. know the science of vegan baking. It all is wild. Why do we use chickpea juice? to replace egg whites. I don't understand how that works at all. So the science of vegan baking is something that's interesting. Right, if you can get to the the bottom of it, yeah. it just gives you why a are, fuller why, understanding. Why are egg whites like chickpea juice? I think it's the proteins. <laughs> I'm sure it is, Lindsay, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to sell a product here. I mean, it doesn't mean that Skillshare, you know, can't fuller, f more fully illuminate that topic, you know. Exactly. Exactly. There are <laughs> apparently 30,000 individual classes on Skillshare. As we had discussed last episode, I did a search for magic and there were 989 results. So I don't know how accurate that 30,000 number is. It, it, it gives me pause. I'll just say that. But hey, I'm going to read what they sent over. It's 30,000 individual classes. There's outlines. It's all video. It's all people doing the work. Which is really, really nice. Oh, I was just doing random browsing and I found a class called How to Find Your Personal Brand Archetype that I think is amusing. I don't think you need to take that one, Whitney. I think you've actually nailed that. Did you teach oh, that no. course? <laughs> no one has a stronger brand online than Whitney Nelson. Right, I was going to say. Except for maybe Lindsay maybe Nelson. Maybe Lindsay Nelson, yeah. Maybe the two of you could tag team and teach this class. We could, and... You know, it's just about living your life out loud, but not out loud, mm -hmm. literally, uh, on the internet. <laughs> but also sometimes, with all the podcasts sometimes you two out, do. out actual loud. We talk in front mm -hmm. of microphones a lot, so. Mm -hmm. So there it is. There it is. It's because we've tired out everyone who talks to us on a daily basis. We have to in find person. more people yes. to bore. We need strangers to, now, hey, you, sir, walking down the street, listen to me. Listen now. The internet can't put certain topics on my do not converse about list, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's because I talk about them too much. I don't know what the <laughs> keywords are here. I search for archery, so like archery, none of these are about archery, but the things that came up, a Blender 2.8 model lightsaber beginners project, and that sounds dope. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's 3D I modeling, use, 3D rendering. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't, I don't use that, I don't use Blender, but I would maybe to render a lightsaber. Yeah, I have carving a simple <laughs> rubber stamp here. You know, it's mm -hmm. and then you could click through. There are outlines of everything, so you know exactly how much time you need to invest. They generally produce the outcome, so it's like, hey, here's by the end, this is what you'll be able to do. And mm -hmm. again, 
it's anywhere from sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's three to four hours, sometimes it's even more than that. It's an intensive course, but hey, you know all that stuff going in. It's pretty, it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. Andrew, what do they get if they use our code? Oh, my God. Well, you go to 12and24.com slash Skillshare, first of all. Mm-hmm. You'll see me. It'll say Andrew has invited you to Skillshare. <laughs> you sign up on that page. It's a free 14-day trial. If you want to continue it, it's $15 month to month, no contract. You could say, like, hey, for a month, maybe you have a project coming up, and you're like, I got to learn how to use Photoshop real quick. Let me sign up for 15 bucks just to learn Photoshop, and then we're good. And then maybe a month later, you're like, oh, got to learn something new. You could totally do that or not. It doesn't matter. Regardless, you get 14 days to learn anything you want. You could probably learn everything we talked about on this podcast in 14 days. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, guessing. You could make a better movie <laughs> than this after 14 days of Skillshare. I guarantee it. You take a, I mean, take a I think this movie course. probably took about 14 days. I think that's part of the problem. <laughs> right. It would have been like better I said, it's just like a, a Hallmark Christmas movie. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I think we've talked about it all. 12and24.com slash Skillshare. Go there. Sign up. 14 days free. Learn something. And then you know what? Here's what I would love. Report back what you learned. Like I have to report to Lindsay and Whitney in in like a couple days about all these musicals I've watched. Let us know what you learned on Skillshare. Because I would love to to talk about that. So Mm -hmm. I could sit here and talk about all the dumb stuff I learned. But join the podcast Discord to see Andrew's thoughts and feelings after he watches the musicals. Oh. Yes, or your thoughts and feelings on musicals, or <laughs> any recommendations you have for musicals. <laughs> That's right. No getting out of this one, Andrew. Oh, uh, oops. Discord <laughs> just deleted. I don't know how we're still talking. I don't know. I don't know. That's it, Skillshare. Do that. <laughs> Perfect dismount. Look at us. <laughs> Even the Russian judge gave that a it 10. Was a gr- <laughs> it was a great segue in. That's one of Lindsay's favorite jokes. I, I like that because yeah. they're stern but fair. You know, that's the, the <laughs> Russian. It's the Russian way. It's the Russian way. Yeah. All right. So this is one paragraph of plot synopsis. So we're gonna get through the deep dive of this movie pretty quickly. Oh, before we do this, I have one quick yes. question. If oh, we removed okay. yes. all of the music from this movie, how long is this movie? Roughly. Eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have the exact answer. I was just curious to see what y'all would say. Yeah, uh, but I don't it, know. it does Probably. feel about right. That feels right, whether or not it is right. It can't be more than like forty minutes tops without the music. I would yeah, think. this is like a two-hour movie Agreed. too. This is it's yeah. crazy. So. I was just, uh, that tickled me to think about. I was like, if we just moved scene to scene. Emotionally, eight minutes. (laughs) Whether or not that's actually literally the answer, emotionally it was the correct answer. Uh, I'm going to just make a note to put that on the poster. Okay. And we can talk about the plot points of this film. Okay. So, this movie is about the Bauer family. The Bauer family band petitions the Democratic National Committee to sing a rally song for President Grover Cleveland at the party's 1888 convention. On the urging of Joe Carter, who is a journalist and suitor to the eldest Bauer daughter, Alice, the family decides instead to move to the Dakota Territory. It literally happens that fast and abruptly. Like, Yeah. There is no way for the plot synopsis to make that seem more logical. 
it's two not. of the eight minutes. <laughs> Literally, yes. this Republican newspaper guy from the Dakotas writes letters to their daughter. They form a courtship, and he comes out and he's like, "Yeah, I moved to the Dakotas," and that's twenty minutes in, less than. So they're in the Dakotas. There, Grandpa Bauer, a staunch Democrat, causes trouble with his pro-Cleveland sentiments. Mm. The Dakota residents are overwhelmingly Republican, and they hope to get the territory admitted as two states, North and South Dakota, rather than as one, so that they can send four Republican senators to Washington rather than two Republican senators to Washington. Grandpa's actions result in family strife, including nearly costing Alice her position as the town's new school teacher. The budding romance between Joe and Alice also suffers. In the end, more ballots are cast for Cleveland, but the Republican nominee Benjamin Harrison nonetheless wins the Electoral College vote and the presidency. I think that that may be a reason why I've been like the electoral college is garbage since I was like seven years old. I think that's the only it's, thing that I took it's true. from this. Whitney and I were very early on that boat of the. Like, I Wait think a that this minute. might be why I think that. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't remember our father or mother ever talking about the electoral college but i i know that i was like the youngest person i knew to be talking about the electoral college so it may have something to do with this movie anyway benjamin harrison wins even though he didn't get the popular vote before he leaves office cleveland grants statehood to the two dakotas as well as montana and washington which evens the gains for both parties they now have the same amount of senators so no one actually won this whole fight that the whole movie is about Uh, because it's all about who has the most this statesmanship it's about taking control of the senate and on his way out the door Grover Cleveland made sure yep that's rude so anyway everyone ends up with the same amount of senators and the Dakotans particularly the feuding young couple, resolve to live together in peace. The end. You know what mm-hmm. I was, you know what, you know what actually you just reminded me of was the funniest to me. I created this sub narrative in my head uh, during <laughs> this scene where mm-hmm. uh, the dad, which I'm guessing is, uh, uh, what was his name again? Uh, Buddy Epson is, is, have gonna have a talk with grandpa mm-hmm. and he like takes him to the shed and I was like oh shit he's gonna murder this guy <laughs> cause it was like re- like he gets yeah, in no, there he's the like way real that stern he's like you're gonna need to go in here this is as good a place as any yeah, takes him into like, the woodshed and the grandfather like, is, is all like coming. nervous and, and he's like babbling on about the last time they were in the woodshed was when he was whipping him as a boy for something. Yeah. And I, I missed all the time, but that's because I was trying to miss and blah, blah, blah. I didn't really want to hit you or whatever. Yeah. I mean, this did used to be a thing. It was at least like a cultural cliche or a trope that you took somebody out to the woodshed to get punished. Yeah. You know. But the I mean, punishment that seemed to be coming did seem like murder. You're did. absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. I, it felt like that to me too. Here's what here I mean, all you have to do to make this scene like it, it, you cut it a little bit earlier than when it 
don't let it play out and just change the music. And it is straight up like a murder. <laughs> just put some CSI music <laughs> under there or some shit and it's done. That's all it takes because mm-hmm. everything else about it is like, oh, yeah, he's going to kill this guy. <laughs> yep. Oh, no. Okay. I want to ask both of you first. <laughs> mm-hmm. You saw it 30 years ago-ish? Yeah. 30-ish years ago? Mm-hmm. And you saw it just recently within the past Can- week? I do just want to reiterate, we are both under 40. We were very young oh, no, yeah, the last yeah. time that we saw this movie. <laughs> That's, yeah. So, I think the young yous, it's a clear ringing endorsement that, yes, you recommend this film. Everyone should watch this film. What does present, what do the present day yous say? I do not recommend watching this film. See, yeah, I was going to say, I think even as a kid, though, it was kind of one of those things you watched because you had access to it more than that it was our favorite. Like, we had others that oh, were yeah, our no. favorite. We have a lot of other musicals that we liked as kids that we, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, we liked more, although that one's a great problematic as well. Sure. Um, <laughs> the Happiest Millionaire is a great one. So, like, there's a lot of both Disney and like MGM and whatever musicals at this time, Calamity Jane is my favorite that we were like obsessed with, that we were not obsessed with this film. So I would mm. even say as kids, while we may have recommended you watch it, it was never our favorite. It would have not just, been our top. I just yeah. really thought this movie was going to be better than it was based on how yeah. I remembered it being as a kid. Yeah. I for mean, sure. the, the recollection of the lyrics for the songs, it's, it's you know, it got, it got it in is, there is what it, it got It is not through. a recommend for me, dog. Same here. If you're in the mood for like a a peppy Disney live action musical from the mid century, watch Happiest watch the Millionaires. Happiest Mill. Much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you get it, it, and it has it like two half of the same, of the same cast. Yeah. So. <laughs> two of the same leads or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you get the guy from Follow Me Boys who plays the troop leader as the dad of the Dreadfuls. Yeah, what uh, that makes me wonder what Kurt Russell, what the fuck was Kurt Russell up to that he could be in the Happiest yeah, Millionaire? I don't know. Why wasn't he in the Happiest Millionaire? I don't know because there's brothers in that one too. He could have. There been, are. Yeah. There's young brothers who box, and he, Kurt Russell could easily have been one of those and scare off their sister's suitors. He would have been great in that role. <laughs> he was already doing that in Mosby's Marauders. Unbelievable. It's his cousin. <laughs> you swap a cousin for a sister or whatever. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't recommend this, obviously. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. that that comes as any shock to any of us. So far, no. Whitney, we have recommended exactly zero Kurt Russell movies out of <laughs> yep. four. Yep. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's it's. I know we're getting into good stuff so soon, but it is so far the fact that we have not recommended a single one of the early ones <laughs> is making me feel like, did we make a mistake with this podcast? <laughs> I, have, I have to assume that the back... It's not even the back half. It's like the 25% mark on. It's just, it, it has to be so strong. There's so he hits a critical many mass. bangers. There's so many bangers later on in his career. And it's coming in really not that long a time from now. Because it's all like his early, mid-20s. So he's like 17 right now. We don't have that much time between now and like hit after hit after hit. But I am starting to like... Feel a little bit sad about the Kurt Locker. You know that it, it. The interesting thing, and I, I will say this is the reason that these first, this first decade, I'll say, um, mm-hmm. feels the way it does is because, similarly to Keanu, this 
guy was making two to three movies a year. Like, yeah. 1968, yeah. two movies, 69, two movies, 71, two movies. Like, he is cranking them out. So the dude is working super hard, which is, you know, you can't fault him for that. It's just some of these. <laughs> I get it. He's a he's a kid and he's working in Hollywood. He's living the dream. Right. But you're like, oh, it's when he gets a little older and is more discerning about the roles, I think, that it really picks up in a really, really nice way. So. Mm-hmm. Whitney, Lindsay, Lindsay, mm-hmm. your list is, uh, I don't Empty. assume to, <laughs> I don't assume to yeah, have known. Yeah, it's just this one. <laughs> yeah. So this is your number one movie, Lindsay, is what <laughs> I mean. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess for right now. Okay, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> Whitney, where are you going to put the one and only, hold on a minute, the one and only genuine original family band from memory? There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> genuine sorry genuine i am putting it at number four <laughs> number four out of four yeah i don't know if you're aware but our lists remain identical <laughs> that's amazing but i was i am shocked at myself for putting this in number four because i Really did enjoy this movie as a kid, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. No, I <gasps> will never watch We're it again. We're ruining dreams. We're ruining mm-hmm. dreams. <laughs> we are. But in this case, I'm kind of okay that they're ruined, because it's better than me going around talking about how much I love the one and only genuine original family band. Yeah, I can go around talking about how great Calamity Jane is, and it's still yes. great. And I still watch that all the time. Yeah, That checks out. Last week I asked, are any of the upcoming movies going to be worse than these three? And literally the next week we rank one below all three of them. So we might be in for some surprises with Kurt throughout these yep. early years, it seems. So uh, there is that. There is that. We are doing it. And we're doing it so you don't have to. Right. The end. I feel like... The service, I don't know how people listen to this, but, you know, there are chapters in these podcasts, so you can hop around, really. Mm-hmm. It might be worthwhile. Eh, just listen to it straight through. But I think we are we are doing a public service by not only recommending them with just a quick yes, no, but also putting our money where our mouth is and describing why and where it goes on a list compared yes. comparatively. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. I absolutely used uh, Cool Breeze uh, to see if there were any Keanu Reeves movies I hadn't seen that I should, you know. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. how did that work out for you? I mean, what, what was? Can you think of a? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. If you can't think of one, that's fine. But was there one that you were like, okay, they all enjoyed that. I'll go watch it. Well, I mean, like I watched. I'd never seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure before. That's any right. of the Bill and Ted's. You and yeah. Whitney. Yeah, we had both never seen it, and then. Partially because of my glowing review, she went to go watch it. Incredible. That's still, I think, one of the biggest surprises of Cool Breeze for me was Bill and Ted's mm-hmm. Excellent Adventure. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. So That's fantastic. See, what a good one. What a really, actually, a good one. So good. So wholesome. I still, I mean, I know I talk about it every time we bring up Bill and Ted, but Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is if I have sons, I will show them that movie 
as an example of like non-toxic male friendship. Masculinity. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. there's not a lot of movies from the 80s about which that can be said. There's very few movies <laughs> about which that can be said. I challenge yeah. anyone listening to find but the one. 80s were so toxic like yeah. i have an easier time watching movies from the 30s than i do watching movies from the 80s <laughs> as far as like rape culture goes and stuff like yeah boy howdy mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right well that, okay uh, so none of us recommend it it's, it's as low as it can possibly go oh. in all of our lists go see, see bill it. and ted's excellent adventure <laughs> <instead of this. laughs> go do it Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk real quick uh, next week. Next, next week. episode, uh, I'll be walking us through the film "The Horse in the Gray Flannel Suit." Uh, thoughts, feelings about this one? Never seen it. No never idea. Never even heard of it. Okay. It's a very surrealist name. I like it that is, about it. Yeah, I know that it's another Disney one. I very, very much, and I still stand by this. Although we may have another family band situation on our hands, you are going to like. The computer wore tennis shoes. All right. All right. I'm, I'll note it down along my other notes here. Computer wore tennis shoes. We'll see. Maybe my new number one. To me, it is the Disney version of Short Circuit. A little bit earlier, mm-hmm. okay. but very in that vein of Short Circuit, which is a movie that I love is as problematic as that one is as well. Talk about problematic faves. Oh, yeah. Some casual <laughs> racism. It's and also whatnot, got some you know. Flight of the Navigator vibes. Flight of the Navigator nice. is another great one. All right, I get that. I can. Okay, I can. I can relate to it. See, now we're talking the same language. All right. Yeah. That's fucking so, <laughs> I know that we are getting into some stuff that we're gonna like. I don't think I've ever seen the horse in the gray flannel suit. If I have, I blocked it out because it does not seem familiar at all. <laughs> Again. After Constantine, I don't say anything for sure that I've never seen. Nothing because is certain. I, nothing is certain if you're Whitney. I have a memory like, I don't know, cotton candy or Swiss cheese. You know that, that raccoon that washes his cotton candy in the water <laughs> and then it disappears and, it and he's like, wait, no, it. what happened? Yeah. That's me remembering stuff. Yeah. And the past. Yeah. Mm. That's sad. <laughs> Uh, you know, you gotta, it forces you to live in the present. Silver linings. I like it. Hey, yeah. I, I'm, uh, a, I'm a half full kind of guy. So exactly. I, I, I'm looking for the silver linings and stuff. So there you go. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's wrap this up. <laughs> Lindsay, thank you for joining us. You're, you're our first guest. Love having you here. Can you tell people where they could find and follow you on the internet? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N, and on Instagram at Lindsay Cameron Nelson. Uh, Instagram is 79% gelato or food pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, my podcast is Historical Hotties. So check that out if you want to hear who the biggest babes in history are. Mm-hmm. I'm on... A lot of them, but I have since let Lindsay take it over completely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So she's taking it in a different direction. We don't know what direction it is yet. So listen to Historical (gasps) Hotties. direction is being workshopped. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Find it as you go. Yes. Um, But currently you will find me on all of the Historical Hotties as well. I am on Twitter at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N. And I am on Instagram at Whitney Nelson with no underscore. Um, Follow me on Instagram if you not only want to see mostly pictures of my dog, 
But also, I'm getting a cat tomorrow. Oh, damn. I'm getting a seven-month-old kitten named Lentil. And she looks like she stuck her nose in a mustard jar. She's got a little, like, mustache that's sort of like a yellow-brown when all the rest of her is black and white. She's just got a little, like, mustardy mustache. Uh, And so I'm sure there will be a lot of pictures of her, too. Do that. So if you weren't a cat person, or if you weren't a dog person and you didn't care about pictures of Buddy, but you maybe are interested in pictures of Lentil, I am very shortly going to be... Uh, barraging Instagram with pictures of Lentil the cat. We are still going to figure out the Instagram star situation for your pets as well. So maybe we lump them yeah. all into one account or something. I don't know. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll workshop see. that well, as well. Now that I'm getting a cat in addition to the dog, I think I might just keep it all as me. Just find me for my pets. There you go. See? <laughs> this is a public service <laughs> that Whitney does. Where can we find you on the internet? I am at Dark Driving everywhere. Uh, check me out uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Skillshare if you happen to sign up that way. So, uh, yeah, would love to see you all there. So, uh, let me go ahead and uh, I press this button. Oh, man. So good. <laughs> so, so good. Mm. Thank you all for joining us. Mm. And in the immortal words of Jack mm. Burton. Sit tight, hold the fort, and keep the home fires burning. Mm.